0: The Ghost Goal Podcast. It was a goal-filled weekend of Derby matchups. As Arsenal beat Tottenham 3-1, Manchester City pumped Manchester United 6-3 at home behind hat-tricks from Erling Holland and Phil Foden. And there was plenty of goals elsewhere around the league as Liverpool played out a 3-3 shock draw at Anfield with Roberto de Zervi's Brighton starting strong post-Graham Potter. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 374. We've got all that and uh, plus plenty more to talk about. We've had a, another managerial sacking in uh, Bruno Lage leaving Wolves earlier today. But Javier, we, uh, we can only start in North London with your lot. If you guys haven't checked out our Instagram live from uh, right after full time on Saturday, uh, along with uh, Spurs fan Mark, who we've had on before, go check that out at Coast Gold Pod on Instagram. Uh, but let's, I guess, get into the nitty-gritty of it all a little bit more here now. Given a couple days to uh, you know sit in the results and uh, you know bathe in your glory. How are you feeling? Starting to get uh, intrusive thoughts about titles, about parades in North London. What's uh, what's going on? No parades
1: or titles, anything like that. No. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm very, very happy with the result. I thought it was an overall great team performance. You know, the goal just came from a penalty from a mistake. We we really kept Tottenham to no other chances, no other large chances. Um, There were a lot of good. Uh, sequences of play that Tottenham had, especially in the first half where they got Son the ball in space. Son was able to run out our back line and then he just couldn't play the the final ball. There was like three or four times where like he was in basically, or Kane was in and he either misdribbled the ball or he misplaced the pass and, you know, really, really let us off the hook a few times there. So it's still a process for Arsenal. I think we can get a lot better. I think we have to be more ruthless. We have to finish our chances. Um, I I, th- I like that there was a strategy though for uh, beating low block teams which um, was very early on very evident that we were taking shots from distance you know from 20 25 yards um, and just you know lo- low expected goals in quotes, you know expected goals shots but lots of them, high volume of them. We had like seven or eight shots in the first 15 minutes.
0: Low quality shots, but you know.
1: Yes. And then in the end, you know, Xhaka came very, very close in the first 10 minutes, like like, uh, clipped the, the, the outside of the post, Martinelli hit the post, and then Partey got a goal from about 25 yards out. So it was, you know, it, it, it was great to see that we had something different to try to beat, you know, one of the best low block counterattacking teams in the league. Um, and it kind of didn't, you know there were times where we were a little bit exposed on the counter attack, but it, we weren't as exposed because we weren't committing as many players forward into their box, um, like we do against a lot of teams. Um, but we did keep possession really well, and I thought we controlled the game. I mean, even like the red card didn't have to happen, I was still very, very comfortable with that game. You know, I, now looking back on it, it at, at the time it was, it was, you know, it, it felt like the game could like what could happen what happened to Chelsea could happen to us possibly but I knew we were going to get another goal you know that was going to happen it was just like if they got a couple of more goals and and rallied back but it didn't It never never really looked like Tottenham were going to do anything like that so
0: um, yeah I don't know but when you said the same thing happened in the the Tottenham Chelsea game earlier this season like it didn't look like Tottenham were going to get anything out of that game for the entire game and they scored twice from like a bad mistake from us which I mean you guys showed like a similarly bad mistake with Gabrielle giving away the penalty and then, you know, getting screwed over by the referees, which, you know, once Tottenham went down to 10 men in this Arsenal game, it, it kind of seemed like all hope of them like gaining a second wind and trying to like push and be more direct for the last like 20, 30 minutes had gone out the window but I mean, there there were still moments. I don't want to say your defense was panicked, but they weren't like as organized at times. And the only player who you know stayed calm and uh, collected the entire uh, span of the ninety minutes was Saliba. Like there were moments when like Tottenham would ben, have like Ben a White couple was of,
1: unbelievable that whole game. Ben yeah, White not yeah, I'm not, not, put I'm not, one I'm not foot saying wrong. those
0: players. I'm not saying those players were bad. I'm just saying that like. So when Spurs, and Gabriel
1: could have been Spurs better. Spurs
0: had a lot of like early developing chances that they just screwed up the first pass. I think like Conte said it himself, you know, like the the ball in behind to Kane that Son tried to play and he just completely overplayed it in the first half. Uh, others in the second half, I think like early in the second half, Tottenham got in behind on around down your left wing, so their right side. And Saliba came all the way over from right center back and just like cleared it up. And then oh no, yeah, and Romero Romero
1: took an extra. It was Romero in behind, and then Romero took an extra touch for some reason. And Saliba just covered like ten yards of ground in that one second that 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 Romero took the extra touch, and he took the ball away from him that he was just going to roll the ball into Son's path for a tap in. So, yeah, there were there were there were definitely moments like that where Saliba was was amazing. I mean, Saliba during this whole stretch. Since he started in the league He's been a dominant center back Just dominant Every single game he's played And
0: Yeah, I mean We've talked about him so much though Like we've talked about him and Shaka so much I feel like But but I I asked you this question
1: Yeah, we've given Jesus a lot of props We've given Jesus a lot of props I feel
0: like not enough though but he was like, he like, was excellent again in given, this game, especially at home. In terms of like the 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 credit they should get, I feel like we've given Xhaka more credit than he maybe deserves. And Xhaka's Jesus probably been credit. our best
1: player, like the, the the player of the season so far, right
0: now. You really think so over Saliba? I would say Saliba, but or Jesus? Yeah, it's it's, it's those three. I mean, Jesus.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's those three right now. So I mean, I don't. Uh, they all deserve a lot of praise, but I think I posed this question to you a few days ago. Um, have we ever seen a center back? since his debut in the league played this consistently well at this high of a level starting the one we that we were thinking is is maybe uh Ricardo Carvalho when he came on to Chelsea that's probably the last time we've had that like that like that high of a level of a center back just come into the league and just hit the ground running and never really look back um I kind of feel that way that that Saliba's going to be that way so
0: yeah Carvalho was the one that sprang to mind immediately uh the other one was uh Jap Stam for uh, Manchester United when they uh, won the treble. Uh, the rest of them, it's kind of hard to say because you know so many center backs. It takes like years of developing and making mistakes. Yeah, as it's a young so player. rare to be
1: a 22 year old and be able to be like a starting center back in, in a. In that's a why people are Complicated him. team, yeah. It's in, in a in a high level team like Arsenal are right now. So I think for Arsenal, we absolutely should be getting top four from this. You know, that's really the goal of the season is getting top four and you know winning Europa League or winning the FA Cup you know we want a trophy this year and we want to get top 4 and I don't think that's greedy with the team we have um I think we could even reinforce more in January there was definitely money to be spent we were we were we were bidding 35 million for David Luiz on the last day of the season so you know there we know we still need another more depth in midfield and uh, there's there's more levels that, that this team can hit so I'm excited for the uh, the Liverpool game this next weekend. You know we' we're, we're, we're meeting Liverpool at a time where they're at probably their lowest that they've been in a long time. So we're at the highest we've been in a long time. So it should be a uh, enticing affair for for both teams.
0: Yeah, I do want to mention just real quick about that January transfer window. I, I know the the usual uh, stereotype of that window is that it's the middle of the season and there aren't going to be many deals done. But I feel like this is going to be a busier one than normal. It's right after a World Cup. There's going to be players who, like, break out at the World Cup or, you know, maybe produce something, uh, even like a single moment that convinces a team, like, okay, we need to sign this guy. And then there's, of course, going to be injuries and fallout like that from the World Cup. There's going to be negatives that teams are going to be looking to replace and, you know, continue to meet their goals for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm... You're hearing a lot of stuff on the the Chelsea side of things too for transfers, so it's uh, it seems like it's going to be a very busy one. Do you want to move on? Uh, well, I guess we can hit on the the, the Tottenham side of this real quick. We kind of mentioned just like during the the the, the actual game action uh, for Tottenham during the Instagram live we did, but does this dent your opinion of uh, Tottenham at all, or is it just kind of kind of par for the course what you thought it was and I don't know if a team that
1: plays the style that that Tottenham plays is going to definitely finish top four this season. I think that they're going to be in a battle. I think they're going to be in a battle for it till the end, because when you go up against a team like Arsenal and you, don't particularly worry them when they had, you know, pretty much their full team. I know they didn't have Kulishevsky, but this team had chock full of talent. Richarlison's on red hot form, so it's in and, and you know, was the one who won the penalty. So it's not like they didn't have an, an adequate replacement for Kulishevsky, it's not really an excuse. And they got kind of blown off the pitch. And it, it's not the first time it's happened this season, happened with Chelsea. Um, there's been games where they've looked, you know flat and not that great. And then Harry Kane's but, bailed them out. But
0: it's a tactic. It's, it's, it's a tactic. It they even do it to it teams is. like Southampton in the opening day and uh, and and Leicester when they played them at home. They're very much OK with not having the ball. In fact, that's their preference or Conte's preference. And I think the main reason why it uh, went sour so quickly at Chelsea after one admittedly amazing season is it went so sour in the second season cuz players were just sick of like the the drill sergeant management from Conte and then walking out there against teams that we know we were better than and giving them the ball and letting them attack us with the only intention of it being oh we're going to have some space to run into and if one player plays a bad pass all of a sudden a bunch of us have, a bunch of our players have run 30 40 50 yards only to have to run right back and get back into formation otherwise we're going to get counterattacked. And it, it drains players, especially players like Kane and Son that don't want to be running without the ball for the vast majority of, of these big, big games. And yeah, you have the big moments like the Manchester City away win and them doing well at Anfield last season. But it, over the course of 38 games, I'm telling you, it's it's not fun to be a part of that, especially when you're you know, a player with immense talent on huge wages. You don't want to have to play against or play without the ball for most of your big games, so it's uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch for the rest of the season. I definitely
1: don't think Tottenham, like I, I, they're not going to be up there at all with with City or, and I think Arsenal
0: are going to finish above
1: them. I mean, I just just the way that both teams are playing right now.
0: You're calling it now? You're calling yeah. Saint Totteringham's Day? Yeah, I'm first time St. in six Tottenham's years. You guys I mean, not just because we beat them
1: in the derby here, but. I just you the did way that that we both play the boat the way that we both yeah exactly we we beat them last year at home too but it's not it's not that it's just the way that both teams play um, I think one's going to have a lot more trouble than the other I mean I think Arsenal are going to put small teams to the sword and there's going to be times where Tottenham draw or lose to teams that they shouldn't so and when they come up against big teams sometimes like Chelsea or Liverpool later on in the season you know City they I think they're going to get blown away sometimes doing this style because. You know, while there were some half chances like that, they misplaced passes and stuff like that. You know, they're going to get scored on a lot because they don't have that that great of a back line and and defenders and wingbacks. backs, Perisic, Emerson, Royale, Cessignon.
0: They, know, they have they have promising players that Conte can get Spence. more out of.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're okay to, uh, offensively, but defensively none of them are like just. None of them seem like they're gonna get you that much defensive work rate.
0: I would actually I would actually point more towards like the the center back players that they have. The players for those three at the back positions you need like Davis,
1: Dyer, like, Romero. I mean they're all, they're good. And Lengle was the
0: they started yeah. Lengle against you. He's he's okay. He's good, but also very injury prone. So Conte's gonna have to like really work to improve those players, and I'm not saying that's impossible, but it's uh it's not enjoyable for, uh, for you know players at that level to have to do that week in, week out, regardless of who the opposition is. Let's move on to this Manchester derby. Uh, Manchester City, like I mentioned, beat United, Manchester United, 6-3 at the Etihad. They were up 4-0 at halftime, uh, United got it back to 4-1, City scored two more, and then United scored two more to finish 6-3. Uh, Holland had a hat-trick, uh, Phil Foden had a hat-trick, Holland had two assists as well, De Bruyne had two assists. Everything was humming or purring for Manchester City uh, against their uh, their city rivals. So they're looking pretty good. Uh, I can't imagine a better first Manchester derby uh, than what Holland was able to to do. That's like three hat tricks in home league games in a row now. He's Holland left.
1: is just a freak of nature, man. He's the monster. Yeah, we keep
0: we keep saying it in different ways every single week. I feel like we need to get a little bit more colorful with uh, the, the analysis because just coming in every week and saying uh, just going like full Seth Rogen from, uh, well, from Superbad like he's, I he's don't the fastest kid alive he's just, a freak
1: every time that you're that you're like oh, he, surely he can't you know keep doing this and then he just I, r- I don't know anyone who's saying himself. that anymore
0: I don't know anyone who's saying like surely he can't like by now if you've watched him at all you know like oh well what more can he do like how's he going to top this like I'm interested to see and three goals and two assists in the Manchester Derby is... Uh, and it's the quality behind them, too. Like, the first one's like a powerful header to make it 2-0. And I will give a ton of credit to Phil Foden as well. It feels like he's been kind of overshadowed by this. But his finishes, some of his finishes were excellent as well. But Holland has like a powering header for the first goal. A great run to the back post to get on the end of a beautiful Kevin De Bruyne, uh, like, curled uh, assist at the back post. For the, uh, his second goal, and then the third goal, you know, it's just basic run to the penalty spot, get on the end of uh, what was that kid's name? The uh, left back. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? The left back they signed from uh, the Belgian team, Sergi Gomez, I think it is. He he just played like a very basic like ball right across the face of goal, and Holland just lasered it in. Uh, okay, do am am I making too much of this because it's Manchester United yeah, I mean, and they have a Manchester lot to figure were out? Shit you know they weren't
1: up to like the play that they had been you know the, the that four match winning streak that they had put together you know they weren't playing well on the counterattack they were making mistakes on the ball they were giving the ball away and they were sloppy um and you could tell ten hag was not happy at all and you know they had they had uh, an injury to i think it was Veron went down injured in the first half and Lindelof had to come yeah. on
0: Right so, before Holland's second goal, I think. Right.
1: And then when Lindelof came on, Holland immediately just started bullying him. Literally the second Lindelof came on, Holland walks over to him, puts his hand on top of Lindelof's head, and just shoulder parches him. Like, just gives him a little nudge on the back. <laughs> I and I that. was just like, I was like, holy shit. And Lindelof was just like, oh, man, like, you could tell he was, he was going to be in for it. And yeah, he scored, you know, a bunch of goals after that. So... Lindelof got taken to the cleaners. I mean, it was just it felt like for United. Why? Why didn't Casemiro start? Casemiro played so well against Manchester City in the Champions League last season for Real Madrid. You know, was a boss in that midfield, making tackles left and right. Even in this game, when he came on, he looked he looks class. It's just I don't understand the the. Uh, the McMuffin. game was settled by then. Ne- yeah, it was need- it
0: was four one. I know, I think, but, at the time. but he
1: needed to start. A player as big as uh, Casemiro. They just paid so much money I, I for I agree. Him.
0: It's crazy. But when you win four games in a row, like you, can see why he's But this is a completely different class of
1: opposition, yeah. you know, than what they'd been I playing before.
0: I think their last league game was against you guys at home. It was. They, it
1: was. But like, again, it was away at Man City, the best team in the league. Like, you gotta, you gotta, I would have played McTominay and Casemiro, you know, maybe moved Erickson to right wing or huh? to, or, you know. Yeah, you say you may-
0: got one of Erickson or Fernandez. Or yeah. Rashford, I guess. Right, and Rashford did nothing.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it just it didn't feel like there was any chance for Manchester United the the way they were set up. And I think a lot of the blame goes on Ten Hag. I mean, he's a he's he's a relatively young manager, you know, starting in the league. He's going to be making mistakes like this. I'm sure he'll learn. If he had started a different team, I, I do think Manchester United had a much better chance in this game. What um, only
0: lose four two. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, I think six three really flatters them. You know, it, this game was more like. I mean, it's six, the same one.
0: proportion of goals. You know, it's, you know. No, I know, but I'm goals, saying this. But...
1: This game was, you know, like you said, they were up six one at one point, and then City just brought City City made fi- a, a, a quintuple change. They brought five players on. I think that's the first time like anyone in the Premier League's done that, right? All five players coming on at the same time.
0: No, they had Gomez come on for Walker in the first half, and then they made four changes at the same time. Ah, in the second okay, half. four
1: at the same time. Got you. They didn't make five, but uh, yeah, no, I mean they changed the entire team, and it definitely lowered the level a little bit, um, and just kind of saw the game out. So at that point, United got a couple of goals, and it flattered them a lot. And and like I'm like I said, I mean I think this is just a mistake from Ten Hag. Um, he'll learn from it. It's not the end of the world for Manchester United and for City. I mean, what can you say?
0: I can just, say a couple things. There, there, there are players like Holland, Foden. They didn't have Rodri in this game. The, they didn't. Didn't they matter. They played Gunduan, and they were just their as good. Their backline. Um,
1: they had Ake and Akanji, which are not neither of their first choice center backs. Akanji was fantastic.
0: They, they did concede three, so let's not uh, hype them up too much, you know. No, but, you know they, at they that could point, afford to concede three. They
1: conceded three when they, when all the, the, they conceded two of those goals when all those players came on. They brought, he brought on like Cole Palmer, sure. like
0: it, the game Riyad was Morris. over by then. Yeah, yeah. He brought on Riyad but Morris. The, the team player, had, the, the, player wanna, the player I want to, the player I want to like give a little bit of a shout out to uh, kind of along the same vein that we were talking about on the uh, IG live after Arsenal Tottenham, where like Martinelli and Saka, you know, they didn't, I mean, Martinelli had an assist, but you know, they didn't necessarily have like the big numbers of like goals and assists that their teammates had. Jack Grealish was everywhere in this game. And he didn't have the three goals like, you know, the other two guys up front with him did. And he was going against, like, Diogo Dalot, who was, like, a pretty favorable matchup for him. But it's just nice, like, if you're a City fan, you've got to think it's nice to see Jack Grealish show up and look like the player they spent $100 million on, you know? He was, he was excellent running at defenders and... You know, uh, just playing little, uh, like, trios with Holland and Foden. So uh, I think that's something I'd uh, be very happy with after, you know, most of the time, like, especially that Dortmund game a couple weeks ago comes to mind. Grealish started that Dortmund game, and the attack looks so stagnant, and, like, the ball would just stick to him, and the the whole flow of the passing game for Manchester City would just die when it reached him. It looks like they'd, like, amended some of those those issues with uh, Grealish this time around, so... Great, of another other, level of that other Manchester players. City can get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like thanks, another... Alex. Yep, they
1: <laughs> yeah. can just now play another... with uh with Foden and, and Grealish, who can just never lose the ball. Bernardo, so they literally have like six players who never lose the ball ever. So they just have fucking magnets to their feet, and uh they're just all of them are meant to get to Holland. We are all doomed for many many years, Alex.
0: Speaking of doomed, uh, Liverpool drew Brighton three uh, three Saturday at ten a.m. Uh, Leandro Trossard, speaking of uh, Hattrick trick heroes this weekend, uh, Holland and Foden weren't the only ones. Trossard had a Hattrick trick with goals in the 4th minute and 17th minute to put Brighton up 2-0. Liverpool came roaring back with a brace from Firmino in the 33rd and 54th minute before a, uh, what's his name, Ryan Webster? I think that's his name. Webster from Brighton scored a known goal off a uh, set piece. And then Trossard got an injury, Adam got Webster. over it. Adam Webster, that's it, you're right. Uh, Trossard got an injury, went off for a little bit, snuck back on the field, and then popped up at the back post and scored the equalizer in the 83rd minute. It was absolute And the Liverpool players even noticed him. Like you see in the replay, uh, Milner and Van Dijk like, both yelled over to Luis Diaz and uh, I think Simicas was the left back saying, like, track Trossard, he's he's there. Like just, like, just letting them know, like, make sure you watch out for him. And the ball just trickled through, got to him, and he first time finished it. But that that's an amazing result for for Brighton in their first game since Potter left. Like Roberto De Zerbi's game, I think we we mentioned they, in the, they the live have right won before this game. that. I mean,
1: they, they, they should have. Lucky. Yeah,
0: they could have been up like four nil in the first half. They they were they were absolutely electric, and it's yeah, that's looking like a, it's going to be a really tough game on the schedule. Not that it was easy before, but in the last like couple of seasons, the way you know, the top team's opinions have changed about like going to Brighton or playing against Brighton. It's absolute credit to Potter and to, you know, Deserby now. He's we he's going to be an excellent addition for them. And he's been like very respectful of Graham Potter saying like, oh, it looks like from what I've seen from the team, it looks like he's done a really good job. I just want to, you know, build off of that and, you know, add a little bit of what I want to do to it. And, you know, they're not like too far away from each other in terms of they're like attacking philosophies. It's all very high press, build from the back. You know that classic kind of kind of stuff. So, uh, really good for Brighton. Uh, what level on the panic meter should Liverpool be at right now? If a ten out of ten is a full uh, full blown panic sack the manager, where do you think they should be? One to ten. Give me a number.
1: I mean, I, I was the one saying at the beginning of the season I thought they were going to have some growing pains. There, you know, Mane left. Nunez is gonna take time for him to, to get going. It felt like he was getting going at the beginning and then that red card just destroyed his momentum and has kind of like not ruined his season, but you know, slowed the progress that he had he had worked so hard, I'm sure, in preseason to get. Um, and now, you know, Bobby Firmino scored in goals, so I don't know if Nunez is gonna start anytime soon, you know. Um, but for Liverpool, I don't think they panic yet. You know, Salah's gonna get going at some point. What's the
0: number? Give me a range out of ten.
1: I'm like a six. If I'm a Liverpool right now, seven maybe. I mean, I think there's there's players from injury that need to come back. They, they you know they they weren't playing their first choice left and right backs. I think, you know, they they've been having injuries Promerson's to Mati, Tiago. You know, there's just there's so many so yep. many players that they can bring back into the <sighs> team. I,
0: I, still- I don't want to really hear those those excuses after this game, though, because they had Matip, they had Van Dijk. I feel like they, they had most of their midfield. Let me double check that. I I, uh, I think it was Darwin was uh, Darwin and Luis Diaz didn't start. They started with Carvalho on the on the left wing. Let me just confirm the midfield: Henderson, Fabinho, Tiago. That that's what I mean. Like Simakas at left back and uh, Carvalho at left wing are like the only two you know, irregular starters, players that you wouldn't pick in their strongest team. For them to be at home, it, I think it was the the nature of the start. Like I had that game on my laptop as I was watching the the Chelsea game on TV. And I was just seeing Brighton play these like swift, very vertical triangles, like just cutting through Liverpool like it was nothing. Uh, th- that's not how games at Anfield are usually supposed to go. It's usually supposed to be uh, like very basically the opposite way, where Liverpool pin you in. It just seems like that that energy from Liverpool that is just so pivotal to a Jurgen Klopp team has gone, and I I, I put the blame for that on mainly the midfield and uh, Mane leaving. Like like you mentioned, that's obviously he was he was a huge part to initiating their press and just never tiring in in the press. But the midfield three behind them, they're the players who are supposed to be working their asses off, like flying everywhere, trying to win the ball and stop possession from coming through the middle. That hasn't been there for most of the season. And the excuse has been, oh, they're, they're, they don't have their starting midfield. Well, they had a pretty strong midfield for this game and it didn't happen. And then obviously the, the second part of that is all of their goals and creativity have been coming through the wings. And it's its not like a Doesn't mystery that like, Trent like and Klopp Salah have been awful.
1: Doesn't it kind of feel like Klopp's first year a little bit? Like where they're, they're no, still good Klopp's attacking, year, but they're just they, they, leaking goals?
0: I, I I just don't think they're as good attacking anymore. Like Because a part of their attacking is they're still how, scoring uh, is how goals. they They defend. scored
1: nine goals against Bournemouth, dude.
0: Yeah, but... They scored I mean, three goals can, in this game. I think we can see that was kind
1: of a fluke by now, right? They scored like, three goals in this game. Right, but that's what I'm saying. They're still capable of doing something like that. They, they still have a lot of goals in them. I just see them more as a team like that first year of Klopp, where they're a team in transition. They're gonna to have to get rid of some old pieces, get some more depth, bring in more new players. But if they go and get
0: a, like a Jude Bellingham next year, you know this is just gonna be an I off mean, year for them. But, but they have to have to turn it around and get themselves back into the the top four in order to convince. They a might not like make Jude top Bellingham. four this season. Yeah, but then then all of a sudden you're going up. I mean, they just missed out on Aurelien many to Real Madrid. They had Chouameny in the building at Liverpool, like they had all the photos taken and everything. And then, I guess they weren't willing to pay him what Real Madrid were, and Real Madrid are, you know, barely but just barely like a more historic club. And they came in and and and, and took him. So, and it's looking like there's plenty of rumors that you know Real Madrid are going to be right there for Bellingham as well next summer. Manchester City are sniffing around him. Chelsea, there's a bunch of clubs. Uh, so they've got to figure something out like this season right now, because right now, right now they're down in ninth place. And again, it's only seven games into their season. They, they had, they've won fewer game than most other teams. Cause, uh, the game with Chelsea got postponed after the queen passed. I, I'm not like, I'm not that high on the, the panic meter yet. I'm going to say like a five just below you, but if they get like blown out by you guys next weekend, you know what? We might as well talk about this now. Let's do our way too early, uh, pre- like previews. Instead, like now, instead of at the end of the show, because we've talked about you guys. Let's talk about Liverpool. This is like the first time I think since we've started the podcast that an Arsenal Liverpool game has been like flipped on its head in terms of our expectations for it. It seems like every time we've, you know, done like Andrew either when he was on the pod regularly. In the build-up to an Arsenal-Liverpool game week, it was always, like, Andrew throwing digs at you, like, saying, like, ah, yeah, I keep dreaming, and you I, suggesting we I, draw. Not Klopp's first year. I think that's... Well, we started it in 2016-17, so that was Klopp's second year.
1: Okay, yeah, probably
0: 17 I'm pretty sure that was the year that, like, they beat you, like, 4-2 at the Emirates in the opening game of the season, Mane's first game. Like it seems like during this like six year period of the pod, the, we're currently in year seven. It's been Liverpool have been the favorites every time they play Arsenal, whether it's home or away. Yeah, yeah there might be, might be a draw yeah. here I mean, and this there. Might be the, but like, the first
1: time that Arsenal are probably favorites. It's kind of crazy.
0: Is that your expectation going into this? Like you have to, like, if you oh, absolutely. get anything less than a game. win, one hundred percent.
1: We have to beat all of our top four rivals at the Emirates and. It's okay to lose away from home, but we always have to be in the game, you know? That's what I expect right now of this team. So I w I think we need to beat Manchester City at home, so I, w- I would like I we need to break these ducks. Liverpool and Manchester City are teams that we've like you said, we've just not been favorites at any point against either one of these teams. Haven't been able to get a result against either one, especially City. We haven't beaten in like four or five years in the league, which is ridiculous. But Liverpool rarely beat them in the league. Even at the Emirates, they usually get a draw. So I really want to win right now. This is the time when Liverpool are down. We're on the we're on the best we've been, I think, since two thousand eight two thousand nine. So uh, this is a team that should be in the Champions League. That I think is going to dazzle this is in better, Europa.
0: I think this is better than the two thousand eight or two thousand nine teams, to be honest. No, see that team had this is, that team this had Robin van like
1: Persie, Emmanuel Adebayor, uh, Vermaelen, Vermaelen. I know you're going to laugh, but Gallus was good that year. Uh, sure. yeah no he was You know was we had Bakri, okay. Sanya Gael Clichy so our backline was pretty good it was like prime Thomas Vermaelen Clichy Sanya and then we had Fabregas in midfield Chleb, Rosicki Flamini was pretty good Diaby, Definitely won experienced. Diaby, definitely yeah, a more Diaby, experienced
0: team than than this one
1: Adebayor Van Persie you know, Young Play Walk.
0: Th- those teams went to like the Champions League semifinals. In Absolutely. Yeah, that was a great yeah.
1: team. That was a very, very good team. And I think this is probably the best team that we've had since then. Where I feel, you know, this team could be playing in Champions League and wouldn't get blown away by Bayern Munich or by Barça or by whoever we played, I think, in the Champions League. We could hold we could probably hold our own. I don't I'm not saying we'd win. I just don't think the 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 arsenal of the Champions League of the, you know, mid to, to like since 2010 on basically, which is just kind of a joke, you know, we'd, we'd get wins right. here get and there, the group, but we destroyed by yeah, Bayern we'd, Munich or we'd lose to Olympiacos in the round of 16. Right. We'd lose to Olympiacos twice or Lyon, or some shit like that. And that, that's where I think Arsenal need to get back to the level and, and beating Liverpool is absolutely the place to start for that, to show everybody like we're, we're a champions league level team. Again, we're back. Like, yeah, beating Tottenham's great. They've been in the Champions League the last you know five or six years mostly, but that's that's a whole nother you know Liverpool's a whole nother level there.
0: What's your way too early score prediction for that uh, Liverpool Arsenal game?
1: uh I'll say three one. three one Arsenal again.
0: That's fair. Uh, yeah, I went a bit of overkill last week. I, don't, I listened back and was like, why did I say four <laughs> three? I said <3-2, laughs> three two Conte. I? Yeah, well, I mean you were it was close to being that, you know one goal away at least. Um, But for this Liverpool-Arsenal game, I'm going to go a bit more conservative this time and say uh, 2-1 Arsenal. Uh, I think that the key factor you're going to see uh, in this game is Arsenal have now gotten better, at least this season. They've gotten better than Liverpool at doing Liverpool's favorite thing, which is flooding the midfield with players from different areas of the pitch. Andrew, if you're listening,
1: all that shit you talked about Granit Xhaka, he's going to come for that ass. You're gonna see him put Henderson on the floor. He's gonna put Fabinho on the floor. He's gonna put Thiago on the fucking floor. He's probably gonna score on you.
0: You know, be scared. I'm not gonna make any. I'm not gonna make Grant any uh, promises, but because I still haven't reached out to him yet, but uh, I'm gonna reach out to Andrew and ask if he wants to do uh, an Instagram live right after that one. I know Javier, you're not available to uh, react Sadly, to that I'm one. Not, That's gonna be with n- my family. That'll be next Sunday. Eleven thirty AM is the uh, game Eastern Time. Uh, so if we did go on Instagram Live, it would be probably around one thirty. Uh, but I'll, if that happens, I'll put it out there on uh, Twitter yeah, and you Instagram can be me, at Ghost Pod.
1: You can beat me, you can you can you can argue for Arsenal, Alex.
0: You will never find me arguing for Arsenal. I'll just you know talk about what is sure to be a very uh, interesting game because uh, Liverpool needs to start getting wins. They've got way too many draws already. They're Sitting on four draws, two wins, and a loss this season. Ten points after seven games. Not great. The same as Everton, by the way. Frank Lampard got. With one fewer game played. So, you know, they they could jump Everton. But yeah, good good for Frank. Happy to see him uh, turning it around at Everton after their win against Southampton. I want to spend the last like couple of minutes just talking about this Crystal Palace-Chelsea game. Because it was Graham Potter's first uh, Premier League game as uh, coach of Chelsea, it was an interesting one. Not like an overly like convincing performance, I would say. But uh, you know, there's there's good signs already. There's already some nice patterns developing uh, from Chelsea. Yeah, players. you like Aubameyang, Alex? I gotta say that finish was, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's it literally the type of shit bit. that he
1: would do on Arsenal. You'd be like, ah,
0: well, like, yeah, like, Ob- Ob- Oba a god
1: sometimes. But like, but you, you, did you hear, him, did you hear did you hear that Aubameyang Oba, got, Oba like, Do
0: you hear Obameeng get uh, striker tips from Thiago Silva? Aubameyang said that Thiago Silva yelled at him like as they were both still up for uh, you know for, from the end of a set piece or whatever before Reese James played that like cross field ball that Thiago Silva headed down for Aubameyang, Silva yelled at obamiang like. Uh, like take it on the inside, like when the ball comes, like block the defender off and leave yourself like the inside of the box to, to finish with. And, you know, the way Silva won the ball and headed it just back across the face of goal was perfect. And Yang's finish was even nicer. It's, it's basic shit like that that Chelsea fans are like, finally, like when we have games like like this Crystal Palace game where, you know, the team's still trying to apply what Potter is, you know, giving them two in game scenarios with high pressure, albeit like they like we still need to win games and maintain our form, but we're trying to figure out how we want to play at the same time. Concede the early goal to Edouard, a bad giveaway from Fafana. They just, you know, Palace produced the quality to get Th- the early these goal. These are the type of games you need. But, but like to we win controlled the game you overall get for yeah. Yeah. Sure. But we're used to beating Palace. We've beaten them like ten times in a row, and it's not always pretty. What, what we beat a, what, them in the last. Minute it was last always year written well.
1: in the script for Gallagher
0: to come on and get the fucking win. I, right? I was. I was going to get to that. Yeah. What a goal! Uh, what a beautiful. Oh God, goal. I love him so much, man. Like, it's, why isn't he starting? Fuck Mason now. So Mount. great. I mean, don't be surprised if he's starting against DC Milan on 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 Wednesday, you know. He was Mount's on, really on bad form. He was brought on to be much more of a forward attacking player than he was playing under Tuchel. Tuchel was playing him in the double pivot in midfield in a 3-4-3. And like he's played there before for teams like West Brom and when he was on loan there, but that's obviously not his best position. He is a high energy attacking high press player who can also drop into midfield and, you know, do do a job defensively for you. He's a he's like the prototypical Steven Gerrard, number eight type of player. Like you wouldn't stick D- Steven Gerrard when he was 22 years old. You wouldn't stick stick him at the base of midfield. And I don't think he's to, as good
1: as Odegaard, but he 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 plays a similar position to Odegaard or like a similar role, at least you want him to. In I don't team.
0: I don't know about that. I don't know. He's he's. I just made the Steven Gerrard comparison yeah, and maybe I really Gerard, hate yeah. that. I hate having to compare him to Gerrard, but it's the only player right. I can see. Can kind of like think him. that he's like, yeah. Because he's not like Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard wasn't as, you know, hardworking off the ball. He, he did his best, but, you know, he wasn't as athletic. But my God, what a finish, you know? And little shout out to Pulisic as well. Pulisic came on at the same time as uh, Gallagher, I think. Had a nice little run and slipped it to Gallagher before he finished. It's... Uh, it's nice. Some of these players, like we kind of predicted are using their second chance per se under the new manager to, you know, stake their claim to uh, more more, uh, opportunities. So yeah, I was happy with obviously the results, the, the performance could improve a little bit. Like we were creating some chances, but just not as many as I would want. So hopefully that, that improves. And like our premier league schedule, Chelsea's premier league schedule, it's not too bad these next few weeks. It's the like we've got really big games in the Champions League. We'll we'll play AC Milan at home on uh, Wednesday, and we're currently like bottom of uh, that Champions League group, so we need to start getting wins there. Uh, but then after that, we've got like Wolves at home next week, uh, Aston Villa away, Brentford away. Yeah, please United don't drop to Europa. We don't need you there. Yeah, no, you don't want that. You don't want the smoke. Yeah, we don't want um, any smoke. Speaking of Wolves, I do want to mention real quick, Wolves did sack Bruno Lage, which. If you wanted to preview this Chelsea game next week, we don't know for sure who their new manager is going to be. There's rumors of Pedro Martins, I think it is the uh, former Olympiacos boss, uh, also Sporting Lisbon's coach, Ruben Amorin.
1: Ah, perfect Uh, for Wolves to bounce back against Charity FC. Exactly,
0: exactly. It's at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea were up 2-0 at the end of the season last year against Wolves, and they came back and made it two-two right at the end. One of the more frustrating games of uh, I don't know what Ru- Bruno season. Lodge
1: is smoking, but in his last game in charge, he played Rumen Nevez in a back three.
0: Well, he's had, got a lot of injuries. That's why he's smoking. I don't know if you I don't know if you heard, but uh, he came up with a stat after the the West Ham loss over the weekend that. Uh, Wolves had never lost when he was a manager when they had a recognized center forward starting. I, I don't know. No one knows if it's true or not, but it doesn't sound true. Yeah, he's had like plenty of games with like Ruben, uh, or what's his name, Raul Jimenez, players like that. I, I feel a little bad for him though, because the the player they brought in, what's his name, Salid uh, Kahalizic or something. For once, I'm the the guy who doesn't know how to pronounce uh, a player's name. They, they signed someone over the summer, and in his first game, he, like, tore his ACL and is out for the season. So they spent, like, $30 million on a striker, and he just got injured immediately, and that's why they had to bring in Diego Costa. So I would love it if Diego Costa scored against Chelsea next weekend. That That's, like, the only circumstances where I'm, like, okay with Chelsea, you know, conceding. Depending Diego on Costa who comes. Wolves
1: get, uh, do you think there's any relegation threat at all?
0: No, because the, the squad is still very good. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Nunez, that midfielder they signed from Lisbon. He's he looks like absolutely quality. And if they did happen to sell like Ruben Neves, Nunez would be you know the easy replacement for him. You, you do worry about the, the the you know the goal scoring. They do need Jimenez to you know fully recover from that injury. But Diego Costa looks a lot better than I thought he would. He had like a very good chance from a header that he like just put wide and he didn't look like he like didn't belong athletically. And I mean, he's a guy who hasn't played, I want to say for like 18 months (laughs) and he's like managed to get back in good enough fitness to play in a premier league game at 33. You know, that, that was a bit of a surprise. So that's why I don't think it's too like crazy to think he may score at Stanford Briggs next week. Also, he's just a guy who like rises to the occasion like that. That's just what he does. So uh, it's going to be a tough one uh, uh, for Chelsea, but I think we'll probably end up scraping it like 2-1, something like that. Should we wrap things up there? Javier, thanks for jumping on this one, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I got this one done a little earlier uh, than usual. It's usually around like midnight when we uh, finish these things up. So if you want to follow Javier on Twitter, follow him at rev 9 You can follow me at ASMoss92 on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the podcast socials at Ghost Goal Pod. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcasts, leave a rating and a review and uh, new listeners will be able to find the pod. And we'd appreciate if you guys uh, help us grow this thing a little bit. Enjoy the games this midweek and next weekend. And until next time. See ya.